Welcome to Cool Mom 101 with Emily Kylo. Every week, she's bringing inspiring guests to help you embrace motherhood the cool mom way. Emily knows firsthand being a mom is hard AF, but she's passionate that doesn't need to be the end of the story. Shift your perspective on what it means to be a mom while learning practical tips and mom hacks you can use right away. Stay you while nailing the mom game. That's what being a cool mom is all about. Class is now in session. Here's your host, Emily Kylo. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Cool Mom 101. It's Emily here, and I hope you are all having a great week and that you are enjoying your time in quarantine. That might sound weird, but I do feel like there is a lot to be done in this time if you want to look for the opportunities. And I am currently building a new website for Cool Mom 101, so it's super exciting. Can't wait for you all to see it. So that's kind of the big project I've been working on. And I would love to hear what are you all working on? Would love to know. So let's get to episode 20. We are joined by Kay and Dan of Sensei Financial for this episode, and we are chatting all things finance, personal finance to be exact. So in today's lessons, we have the challenges dads face parenting, how finances were once the elephant in the room in their marriage, and how they hit a rock bottom where they weren't even able to pay rent. We chat why a third-party plan for your finances can help find a path to reaching both of your goals in the relationship and how creating systems to get out of debt are just the beginning of creating a strong financial picture in your relationship. So there are a lot of interesting pieces to this episode, and I would love to hear your feedback. You know, finances are not always the first thing you learn how to talk about with your partner. And I think a lot of us have been stuck in kind of old money patterns and aren't even able to kind of broach the subject. So I think it's really great to open up this topic and maybe it's a chance for you to have that first conversation with your partner, any of that. It's all good. Got to start somewhere. So let's get to it. Here's episode 20 with Kay and Dan of Sensei Financial. Welcome to the show, Kay and Dan. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having us. It's absolutely awesome to be here. Thanks for having us. Awesome. My pleasure. So we're going to jump right into kind of the opening segment. Usually I call it the mom fashions. These can be kind of the parent fashions. (laughs) I appreciate you not leaving me out. Yeah, I'm not just going to like throw them to the side right now. We can both Um, what is the hardest part and each of you can answer, um, hardest part of being a parent so far? We're both very new into this game. (laughs) Totally. Um, yeah, I'd say one thing is just like time management as a mom is very different than time management before I was very, I'm a very scheduled, structured person. So all of a sudden you have to kind of cater and be more flexible and all of that. So that's definitely been a challenge for me, but also a great thing because it forces you to be very efficient with your time because you only have an hour to like plug through as much as you can or whatever. So that's definitely what I would say. Yeah. I think for me, it's also like recognizing that while this super chunky, cute 17 month old 
baby girl is is my daughter and she's a person with feelings and emotions she's also not like an adult and so it's this balance of like kind of going down into her world and getting out of mine and trying to be on her level so I can be there and be present as a father and really work and help her with wherever she's at, whether that be play or trying to teach her something or, you know, trying to teach her that she shouldn't do something. I, I, sometimes I've really struggled with kind of getting out of my head and, and recognizing like, okay, based on, based on her self-development or her and her physiological development, where she's at and, Mm -hmm. uh, and helping to be paid be patient regardless of what, what stage she may be in. Right. And easier said than done, isn't it? Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I feel that too. Um, you do, you try and meet them where they're at, but sometimes you, yeah, you get a bit almost confused or like, okay. Like we were talking about this today with my dad actually, because Leo, my baby was throwing something um, what well, camera? What it was now? But something that he probably shouldn't throw. But I said it's probably quite confusing for him because we throw balls around the house, you know, mm-hmm. like softballs. So he's probably very confused, like why? Yes. Can you, why can you throw this thing but not this thing? Um, but we kind of came to the conclusion: you just keep explaining, and then eventually, you know, they'll they will pick that up. But anyway, I had the same kind of feeling where I was like, yeah, this must be quite confusing for him because <laughs> yes. he throw this thing but not this thing. So. And where your expectations should be based on where they're at. Yeah, I totally agree. Yes, absolutely. It can be hard for sure. And speaking of hard, what is the hardest lesson you've learned so far as parents? Hmm. Um, I think another one is kind of just like the balance between my dreams and fulfillment things that I want to do, but also like life looks different and there are times and seasons for things. And so that's something I think we're always going to be learning because the season is changing every time they get a little older, you add more kids to the picture or whatever. But I'd say that has definitely been a challenge. Absolutely. What about for you, Dan? Yeah. I think adding on kind of to the, my last comment is just understanding the role that I play. I'm not there to be there to, you know, my daughter's dictator or her boss. I'm, I'm there to be her friend and coach, but I also do have an authoritative role. And so I think the hardest lesson that I'm still learning is, is how to fulfill that. She continues to get older. You know, there's people, there's parents with uh, older children listening to this saying, just you wait. (laughs) Um, But but as we kind of go down that path, just understanding how that role changes and evolves and, and just how to do it right. And I think that's, that's the hardest thing is there's no clear way of how to be a, this, this perfect parent. And a lot of things in life, you can tell if you're succeeding, you know, at work, you're hitting certain numbers or in school, you're getting certain grades. But as a parent, there's no clear metric that says you are now succeeding. As a parent. <laughs> and uh, that sometimes that feeling to know if I'm doing things right is, is a lesson that I'm trying to, find the right answer to. And I don't know if I ever will, but just doing my best. Totally. And just learning to kind of have that intuition that, you know, in your heart, you know that you are being the best parent for her at the time with all the knowledge and everything that you have. This is something I'm learning too. So don't worry. Um, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm like, because yeah. it is hard, especially I am, you know, I call myself a recovering perfectionist. So I 
totally was hearing both of what you were saying. Cause it's like, I'm used to, you know, going after a lot of my own things and it's hard when you can't and you just have to adjust those expectations. And that's been definitely hard. Um, and then Dan, what you were saying, it's interesting because like I said, I am that achievement oriented personality type. So it is hard. And also one thing, I don't know if you got caught up in this at all, but at the very beginning, I've kind of moved on, but I got really caught up in like the milestones Mm. because that almost felt like a, like a, a way to be like, okay, look at like the baby's progressing so mm-hmm. well, even though as we have already learned, it's like they all have their own little pace. But I think that was something I, I noticed myself almost being like, oh, good. Like he's rolling over so young. <laughs> Check. Like, yeah. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> yeah. And then you start playing the comparative game. With other- oh, yes. And which can, yes. gets really dangerous fast. It does. I I do like the quote that like comparison is the thief of joy Mm -hmm. um, because I do think anytime you're going to sit there and compare and not get yourself out of that pretty quick, it's just down a rabbit hole and it's, it's not a positive one. That's for sure. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So have you experienced mom guilt? And I guess I'd like to hear your perspective after Dan on, because actually I had an interview earlier today And um, she was saying, she's like, you know, I don't really think there's such a thing as like dad guilt or it's not in the same way. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious to hear your guys' take on that. (laughs) That's a lot of setting some big stage. (laughs) 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 I'll let you answer that first, Mikaela. No, she said she wants to. Oh, you want me first? Oh, no, let's hear, let's hear Kay first. Oh, okay. Do you experience it? (laughs) Touched a bullet. We'll let you Um, gather your thoughts. Yes. Um, Yeah, I think it's kind of hard not to feel that. Like everyone feels it to some degree. It's just like the amount or the level or how often those things. And I think I definitely haven't felt it as much as a lot of people. I think because we really focused on trying to create systems and routines like from the very beginning that kind of we're more preventative, I guess. Um, so some things that we did where we really tried to have like structured time where I could be like, okay, these times I'm going to be focused on Lucy. These times I'm going to be focused on our business. These times I'm going to be doing this. So I think, especially in the working mom guilt, that that part really helped me to have that like structure and to have one-on-one connection time that I didn't feel like just running like a chicken with my head cut off the whole time. And then the other piece I feel like of mom guilt that I've experienced to some degree is like if you are around other people and they may think differently or parent differently. And the way that I've helped or that has helped me is basically just having them, the people around me in my circle have similar parenting strategies. And then you can talk about it more and you really understand the way that they're approaching the situation because you've discussed things more. And so I think those two things in particular have really helped me to not have as much mom guilt, although it still sneaks in sometimes. Totally. That's totally fair. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm gathered. Are you, um, are you feeling gathered? I'm, I'm, We're I'm not hyperventilating, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's really hard to compare 
um, fatherhood to motherhood because in a lot of ways they are different. And I, you know, because I've never been a mom, I don't, I don't, I can't say that I've experienced mom guilt in a dad guilt type way um, because it, it's probably singular and unique in, in what it is. And there's so much societal and, um, you know, our traditional structures that kind of plays a lot more emphasis on, on the woman um, or the mother about around what she should be doing for the child comparative mm-hmm. to the father. And so, you know, in a lot of ways, though, a lot of those pressures never really land on the shoulders of the father. And so there's a lot less guilt to be experienced because there's a lot less expectation on that front. Um, and so whether that's fair or not is not something I want to address. And I, I, but I will fully acknowledge that it's completely different and that there's a lot more pressure on the side of the mother. Um, and so what maybe what I've experienced is the question of what, what kind of role should I play as a father? And then there's these kind of self expectations um, in Michaela and I's relationship, we kind of decided, all right, um, Michaela is going to be the stay at home parent and work on sensei, um, full time. And then I'm going to also work and, and build sensei as well. And so that kind of, that's something we've agreed upon in, in how we're going to play out those roles. And so that means that I'm out of the house more. I'm not around our, our daughter as much. And so Michaela talked about kind of the systems and, and processes we put in place to become prevent, say, neglect or um, time not spent with our daughter. Mm-hmm. And those have helped me to feel like I'm being successful because that's the discussion we've had. But I still don't know if that's exactly what Lucy needs. Um, it seems like she's happy and healthy and growing, but I don't know if I'm meeting every need that she she needs from her father. And so for us, that looks like I get her up you know, feed her breakfast and uh, play with her for 30 minutes while Michaela exercises and gets ready for the day. And then when I come home, we have about two hours of family time that we can play together and and eat dinner. And I put her to bed and and things like that. And so doing those systems and routines has really helped me feel like a present father. And hopefully that's what she needs and is enough. And it's really helped to be on the same page as spouses. Um, to make those decisions. Absolutely. And I thank you. Um, thank you for sharing though, because it is interesting, I think, to hear like a dad's perspective on that. Um, because it is the pressures are different, but it's not like they're not there. And you kind of touched on that. It's like you wonder, am I doing enough? Like, am I around my daughter enough? Um, but I think the key thing that you guys mentioned that I really like is that um that Dan mentioned is that it needs to be like a cohesive thing. So whatever works for you two might be so different from what works for me and my family, but it's like, as long as with you and your family, it works well, then I think that's, that's where it's at. That's -hmm. where you want to (laughs) be. Totally. It's not one size fits all, is it? (laughs) For sure. (laughs) So tell me about Sensei. So how did you both get into this? And kind of what is the business? Yeah. So Sensei, it's an online learning platform. We teach uh, financial classes to couples. So we didn't necessarily start out just like, you know, today's the day we're going to go out and teach everyone. We really had our own <laughs> our own journey of getting there. Um, 
And I'll let Dan tell this because he's the best storyteller. So <laughs> take it away. <laughs> um, that's two times throwing me out of the bus. <laughs> um, that's my job. <laughs> the, uh, yeah. So, I mean, it basically started for us, especially at the beginning of our marriage, we were on completely opposite planes on, on finances. And, um, it, it was, you know, right at the beginning, we're fresh newlyweds and anytime anything financial is brought up, whether that's spending money or buying something, or are we going to budget or what are we focusing on right now? There's just, it just, there was no peace or really clear answer of what we were going to do. And it was just causing tons of tension. And, um, it was really hard to, <laughs> to communicate about really anything else because of the elephant in the room that was finances in our marriage. And so um, we had to kind of hit rock bottom in a couple places. And for us, there was a lot of circumstances around it at the time. Um, I was running a business, but was spending extravagantly. Michaela was trying to save for every every possible thing you can possibly save for. We were um, both in college. We were in college, and um, we got to the point where we didn't have enough money to pay rent or or feed ourselves. And that's when reality hit. That's when you can't ignore the problem anymore, and you have to say, "What am I going to do about this?" Or we literally have to either take out a bunch of money in debt or call our mom and dad and who wants to do that when you, <laughs> when you're supposed to be married and independent. And so, um, we did the next best thing. We went on, we went on vacation, uh, <laughs> and went on a road trip to a friend's wedding in California and, um, spoke with some people there who'd been married for a while. And they just seemed to have it all together. They just seemed to be successful. And we said, how have you done this? <laughs> and, they said, listen to this program. What really, really helps people get on the same page is when it's not my way, it's not your way. It's a third party plan that you can both come together on, work together and find that clear path that you can reach both of your goals. And you can see how that will happen. And one of those goals may come before yours does, but it builds, they build upon each other so that you're going to get what you both want. And that really flipped a switch for us. We were, we had about $20,000 of debt at the time that I had all brought to the marriage. Um, I tend to bring most problems to our marriage. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, the, we, we were looking on track to double that every six months. And so we decided we were going to make that change right then and there on that eight hour car ride back from, from California. Um, and we did, we wrote out our plan on a napkin and we mm -hmm. thought it was going to take us a year and a half and we did it in six months. Amazing. Yeah, it was quite, quite an experience in and of itself. But from there, we learned all these systems and, and learned it doesn't just stop after debt, which a lot of, mm -mm. a lot of times that's where people stop. They're like, you know, I'm living within my means. I'm good. Um, and we really realized there's so much more. That's just the, the tip of the iceberg. And um, the more we talked to people, the more people reached out to us. We ended up writing an, a blog article about this. And that just totally opened the floodgates because normally money is such a taboo topic. We thought we were the only ones struggling with this. And all of a sudden we're like, you know what? There's like all these other people out here who need this as well. So 
from there, we just started coaching couples one-on-one and then that slowly grew to more groups, which grew to online, which grew to what it is now, which is online self-paced, being able to be more independent in your learning. So that's how Sensu was born. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. And so do either of you have a background in anything finance related or is this stuff you have learned yourselves? No background in in personal finance other than experience from testing out a lot of different strategies and um, interviewing millionaires, reading tons of books, just trying to piece it all together. Because one of the things we we kind of found in this process is sometimes the people who struggle the most with personal finance are the ones who studied business finance or accounting in college. Um, They're they're different. And I I think one of the the real, something that should be relieving to most people is per, you don't need to study personal finance to be good at personal finance. You just need to have systems and routines and a plan in place to be able to make that progress. And that's what we want to show people is you can do this and you don't have to be this highly financially educated person to, to, to make, to make real progress. Mm-hmm. And, Absolutely. and, and the further we've gone down, we've seen how there really is this gap in knowledge because that beginning part of getting started, how do you budget? What is insurance? How do I buy a house? Those like basic knowledge things aren't there it, or it, they are there, but all spread out along across thousands of blogs and books or whatever. And even we've had multiple CFPs talk to us about our course and say, could we use your course to teach people these things? Cause I only know how to teach them investing. I don't know how to teach them all this other part. So mm. really it's been kind of interesting to see how much of this world is out there, but needs to be brought to our own lives <laughs> and actually applied. Yes, absolutely. And I think, um, one thing that stands out for me is that a lot of people, I think, like you kind of said, they might have these pieces of knowledge, but A, they don't know how to put it all together. Um, and it's overwhelming because there mm-hmm. are a lot of different pieces. So then it's like, well, where do I start? Totally. Because um, it's just a lot of information. So I think it can, a lot of people can get to the point where they're like, oh, whatever. I don't even want to deal with this because it feels so big. So that's what I like about what you guys are doing is I think you're trying to make it accessible. And then the other thing that I like is that sometimes people really need, of course, they need the plan and the education, but I think a lot of what they need is the accountability. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that accountability, whether it's like paying specifically for coaching um, with people who have knowledge and how to help you with those finances or paying for the course where there's like specific things you want to go through. I think even that is so powerful. Totally. And even just giving, giving yourself the permission to act because finances are such an easy thing to overlook and just not even think about. And nobody's going to be saying, Hey, how's your finances? Like, have you budgeted this month? Nobody. Right. So it's super easy to just scooch it under the rug and never talk about it or think about it again. So I think that that even just by saying, you know, I'm ready to act and I'm going to make some changes today is just so liberating. Absolutely. 
Yeah, I think one of the things we also see is is not everybody is just like not doing something with money. Most people have some type of plan or system in place. And what we found is because nobody really talks about it, most people aren't aware that there's an even better way to do what they're currently doing. Mm. And, um, you know, you talk to most people and they're saying, oh yeah, I budget, but how, how do you, how can we make this even easier and less stressful? How do we make you progress even faster? And so, you know, that's, that's one of the things we really tried to do in our course are here are simple tactics and strategies that you've probably never even considered or heard about that are going to make you that much faster, make managing money that much more efficient and, and help you guys get to where you want to go, you know, double or triple as fast as it would have normally taken. Yeah, absolutely. Now, something I should have looked this up because you guys might know this, but I studied sociology. And so, you know, you study things like divorce and money is actually, I always remember it's like one of the top reasons. I I should have looked at some like current research, but I'm sure it still is one of the top reasons. Um, So I'm curious to hear from you guys. um, What are a couple of like the big things, kind of issues you see when working with couples? Yeah, it's one of the, the, there's a lot of different things and it kind of depends on the couple, but one of the dynamics that it kind of varies on what this is, depending on who these people are, but they both bring a decades of experience with money to the marriage. And it's not necessarily their own experience, but it's their family's experience. It's how their parents handled money. And then now it's the things they emotionally associate with personal finances. And now you combine that with your partner's emotional response to finances. Mm -hmm. And so they now have to take these two decade deep um, emotional experiences with money and say, let's get on the same page and have the same plan. And you think that's going to happen overnight? Uh -uh. (laughs) (laughs) Uh-uh. So, you know, really taking that time to, to figure that out and having that discussion so you can really understand where your partner is coming from financially is such a key part to making real financial progress. And most people overlook that. And that's where the arguments come from because the way you view money is your truth. It's how you view it. It's, it's what you've seen. It's what you've experienced. But your partner doesn't see it that way because they have had different experiences than you. Mm-hmm. And so bridging that gap, is it's really hard to make real progress until you bridge that gap. Totally. And kind of adding on to that um, are the values and you're coming with different value systems of how you spend your money. And that in and of itself brings a whole bunch more communication and things that you have to work through when you're even sitting down to decide what's going to happen with your money. Yep. So I can totally see that. So that's probably one of the biggest um, like overarching issues you see with most couples. I'm sure that come like, that's the big hurdle, isn't it? the first big hurdle. (laughs) That's typically an element in most couples story. And and some people can kind of just, you know, often I think in personal finance, most people aren't, you know, there's, there's always minor issues or minor discussions. And it's not like most couples are sitting there and their marriage is crumbling or their relationship is crumbling because of personal finances. There's issues, but they're, they can overlook them. They can work through them. They can, ignore them. Um, They can build temporary band-aids. And so I think, I think one of the things that becomes kind of clear is how do I eliminate, most people aren't aware that you can actually get rid of the majority of it. (laughs) 
Um, and mm. you, you're always going to have something. I mean, even today, I would be lying if Michaela and I didn't have occasional discussions or disagreements about how money should be used. But because we have the foundation in place, and I know where she's coming from financially, and she knows where I'm coming from financially, it's a lot easier to have that discussion, get over it quicker, and keep moving forward. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, we're not robots. It's not like you're never going to yeah, have a disagreement about it again. But <laughs> that's, yeah, that's a better place to be in. <laughs> totally. What is your advice right now, given the situation we're in? What is kind of your advice for people that are maybe feeling really stressed about money right now? Mm, yeah. I think one, recognizing that money and emotions are going to be attached. Lots of times people take that out of it and they're just like, why am I freaking out? It's just numbers. Like, and they don't try to take care of the emotional part too. Um, and definitely understanding both of those when it comes to feeling stressed that, okay, how can I have stress relievers and emotional things? And how can I deal with the money part and kind of looking at both sides? Um, and as far as the money part goes, a way to help you become less stressed is to have a plan, right? In any case, that just helps you to feel more confident in where you're going. So depending on your situation, where you are, if you can set aside some money each month and you have a plan of how you're going to achieve an emergency fund or how you're going to save up just, you know, enough for a little bit of food on hand or things like that, that will definitely help you to feel less stress. Yeah. You know, I think it, it does depend on your situation. If you, if you still have income, you should probably be, be saving as much money as you possibly can right now, just in case uh, there's millions of people who are getting laid off and are applying for unemployment right now. It's a really difficult time. And so if you still, if you're, if you're blessed enough to have that income, you should be saving it. Um, if you're working off paying off debt, off debt, wait, stockpile that cash. You can always go throw it back at it later after this kind of calms down a little bit. Um, if you have been laid off and you have no income, um, you need to be limiting the bleeding. So you need to be cutting expenses as much as you possibly can. And you may still not have enough to cover all of your expenses, but as long as you have control over what you can, that's going to make you feel a lot better. And then, you you know, there's still people hiring who need help. There's a lot of grocery stores that need help. Don't be afraid to put it down that pride and go get that $12 an hour, $15 an hour job, depending on where you're at, um, to, to help just cover the short term as you get back on your feet and find employment that, that suits your needs um, until then. Mm -hmm. And hopefully that doesn't stress you out more thinking like you have to do all of these things, but hopefully you can have a plan with your spouse and just be able to know, okay, this is what we need to do in this situation. We need an emergency fund. We need to cut back or we need to make these changes because of unemployment. And hopefully that will help you to feel less stressed about the situation. Yes. That makes a lot of sense having that plan. And then also, just realizing that you can only change certain things too. So like Nadan said, you might not, you can't control maybe what your rent is, but you know, maybe you don't get takeout five times that week. Right. <laughs> something right. like that, right? Like that's something yeah. you control versus your rent is like a fixed payment. So trying to have some like calm around that stuff because we can't help that. <laughs> yes. 
I was curious to know with you two, how did your relationship to finances change after having the baby, if at all? Hmm. Yeah, I, there, there, there were things that changed and specifically, um, it brought up conversation about things that we never necessarily anticipated. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things I think about having a child, and you probably know this all too well, at least it's our children about the same age (laughs) is you can go really expensive for a child or you can go really, really cheap. And it's, um, there's still expenses either way. Um, but, but there's a lot, there's a lot of variance in that. And, you know, for us, we can like live cheaper or not buy as nice things. But when it's your child, you want them to have nice things. You want them to be taken care of. You love this, this little, little person with your whole being. Um, and so kind of discussing that balance because that value system Michaela talked about earlier kind of comes out even more with children. What I think that is good enough for Lucy may not be what Michaela thinks is good enough for Lucy or, or vice versa. And so it's, you know, there's different scenarios where that plays out and it's important to have those conversations or ironically enough, you'll be discussing about how expensive a pair of pants you should be buying for your child and why that's important. <laughs> totally. I would just remedying discussions. <laughs> I, I would just add on to that along with those conversations about short-term expenses are the long-term planning. Like, are we going to invest for their college? Are we planning to pay for their wedding someday? What do we think about them earning their own money for a car? Like just random things like that, that definitely all of those values, how you were raised, your past, all of that comes out even more when you're thinking, I really liked this about my the way my parents raised me with money, I really didn't like this about the way my parents raised me with money, etc. So just more conversations, more opportunities for communication on all fronts. Yes. And I a guess. chance to make a new plan if you need, like add to the plan, I guess. Right. Yes. Then I think the nice thing for us is we had a plan before. And so it was a lot easier to build on that plan. Um, but it's definitely, I mean, we've helped plenty of people who had no plan that they have a child. And sometimes when they have that child, that's when finances all of a sudden become important Um, because they're realizing I need to get my life together and be responsible for this child. And um, so it's totally doable and possible and, and, and important to do regardless of what life stage you're in. It's never too late. That is a great point because I think, I, I would never want people to, you know, hear something like this and think, oh, like what a failure I am. Like I didn't have my plan before I like had a kid. Yes, never. Before I, you know, chose my life partner or whatever. And I think <laughs> that's the whole like beauty of it. There's never, it's never too late to start this and get everything, get all your ducks in a row. Absolutely. And in some ways, you know your kid even more. You may have even more knowledge. So in some ways, it's even better that you have more experience to go off of. Yes. Whether you're 65 or 18 years old, it's it's never too late to Mm -hmm. start. Awesome. And on that kind of foraying off that last question, what is one thing you would want to tell all parents financially related before like to do or to think about before they have kids? 
Hmm. Yeah. So in this scenario, they have time to make a plan before they have a kid, right? Okay. <laughs> um, I would say have those conversations really about your past and what you want in your kids or for your kids. Um, and even just like creating that preliminary budget of like what things you need for a baby helps to open some of those other conversations. So just talking about basics, like, okay, what do we need? Do we want a crib? Do we need a stroller? Like what kind of things are we looking for in these things? We'll bring up some of those topics and then thinking about those long-term things and, and how you want to prepare for that as well. I think one of the important questions also to have to talk about is, okay, when this child comes, how are we going to make sure that we maintain our financial foundation or build that financial foundation? So the child comes into a stable financial environment. And now there's never a good time to have a child. Like there's always going to be things, reasons not to. And so I, I personally don't think that money is, is a good reason not to have a child. If you don't have enough, you should, you know, that a child is more important than money. Um, and that, that may sound a little anti everything we stand for, but at the end of the day, family comes before everything and, and you will, you'll have, you'll figure it out. But if you have built that financial foundation beforehand and you're able to bring the child into that stable environment and you're even working on it through the pregnancy and, and when the child's born, it's going to remove a lot of stress and, um, and you can focus on being new parents, which in and of itself is an incredibly difficult situation and, and joyful situation. Yeah. Um, so I think taking the time and taking it seriously, if you're hearing this now is the time and um, you may be at a different life stage. You may be having, you may have kids, you may not, but now is the time to, to get it, get it together. It is now time is now. <laughs> so I would like to kind of wrap it up and say thank you so much for taking the time to chat with all of us. And, you know, money isn't always like the most sexy topic, but I think, <laughs> I think it is. So it, de- it I, depends on who's talking about it. Emily. <laughs> <laughs> much sexier when Michaela is first. <laughs> <laughs> I'm honored. <laughs> um, but I think it's a really important topic and um, yeah, I just really, really appreciate you sharing some of what you do and some amazing tips for everyone. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us on. You're awesome. Thanks. And where is the best place for everyone to kind of get in touch with you? I will link this in the show notes, but just tell everyone where to come find you. Yes, there's three places to come find us. One is our Instagram at Sensei Financial, C-E-N-T-S-E-I Financial. Our website is the same, www.senseifinancial.com. And the third place is actually a weekly email called Financial Friday. Um, that we kind of share five bullet points every Friday of what we're up to, podcasts we're listening to, books we're reading, things we're activities we're participating in, financial strategies we're looking at, and it's it's kind of just a fun start to your weekend. Um, so those are probably the three best places to connect. Any any corrections there? Okay. Nope. Sounds great. That sounds great. So final questions here. Thinking over the last couple of weeks, what's been your biggest parent kind of win and your biggest parent fail? 
<laughs> well, parent fail, I can tell you because this one's really funny. But <laughs> with everything with being quarantined and everything, I was trying to be ambitious and I planned all these activities, you know, to do with Lucy. And um, one that I came up with was to do like a magnetic fishing pole with like little fish, you know. And I don't know if it just wasn't age appropriate or what, but it was not fun for either of us. I'm pretty (laughs) sure it was just like, Lucy was like, this is not working. It's not connecting the way I want it to be and just getting frustrated. And I'm like, why aren't you liking this? I worked so hard. (laughs) So that was definitely a mom fail, even though A for effort, I guess. Um, (laughs) And then a parenting success, which this has no credit to me as a parent, but it was definitely a a rewarding moment, was just taking her on a little walk around the neighborhood and just seeing her get so excited about the tiniest little things and want to pick up a rock in one hand and a dandelion in the other and just her little trot everywhere. And just it was one of those moments where you're like, man, the simplest things in life bring so much joy. So that was definitely a a rewarding parenting moment for me. That is lovely. What about you, Dan? Parenting fail. Uh, well, there's a couple hundred we could choose from, but uh, <laughs> the uh, I think so. Uh, I'm also involved at the startup at a startup that does restaurant software, and restaurants are being hammered right now. So it's a really busy time for us because we're basically building technology that is going to try to save these restaurants um, through online ordering and mobile apps and contactless card payments and things like that. And so I spend really busy and, you know, we have systems in place so that I can spend time with, with Lucy and make sure that I, she has that father daughter time, um, which is so important. Um, but, uh, you know, sometimes I, I, I don't get to it and, um, whatever, level of dad guilt that is not comparative to mom guilt I may feel um there you know that is there sometimes and taking that extra five to ten minutes to dance with her around the room or whatever that may be um you know making sure that I do that has been a focus when I especially the last couple weeks is is ironically I've been home more but maybe not as much as present and then a parenting win um, I'm trying to teach myself Spanish. Michaela and I are both fluent in German because we lived over in Germany for a while. And awesome. uh, yeah, it's a, it's a fun secret language, especially during board games. But uh, we, uh, I'm trying to teach myself Spanish just because it's a little bit more applicable here in the U.S. And I was doing Duolingo, if you're familiar with the app, yes. on the couch. And she just came over and every time the little bird popped up animated, she got so excited. Just kind of felt like this father-daughter time. And I'm trying to like, say, you know, airport in Spanish and she's laughing at the bird and it just felt like it was just a good connection time. It's just, it's just the little things, you know, that, that make, make you feel like you're succeeding. And those are the moments that I think making the most of those probably is what compounds to make the biggest difference in our children's lives. And hopefully that's, that's the case as they continue to grow and we they can look back and know we were there for them. Yes. I love that. All right. Thank you both so much. Thanks again. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to Cool Mom 101 with Emily Kylo. If you liked our podcast, please be sure to leave a comment or review and be sure to tune in next time.